It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother welcome everyone to reliving the war this is the podcast where we do exactly what it says on the tin and relive the monday night wars we started off at king of the ring at 1996 and bash the beach 1996 for wcw and wwf and now we've worked our way to 1998 where things are really heating up as jr would say business has picked up and if you want to catch up on any of the previous episodes make sure you head to grayworthentertainment.net where you can check out the entire back catalogue. Uh, Simon, I well as I welcome you to the broadcast position, it is WCW Spring Stampede 1998. We had a bit of a treat to watch Unforgiven 98, where we saw the WWF basically go balls to the wall and throw everything uh, in their first like real attitude era pay-per-view. And now it's time for WCW to return serve. Absolutely. And the tagline for this show was the biggest, the baddest, no bull. So I was watching it, hoping they would live up to that. Would there be no bull? Sadly, there was lots of bull, but there was also (laughs) lots of good stuff too. So um, I'll give them a 50% hit rate on their tagline being, uh, you know, false advertising. Yeah, now normally for a WCW pay-per-view, we like to get our buddy Owen on board to live the war because obviously he was but an infant when these pay-per-views were actually in their real life. So Owen, this is Spring Stampede 1998. You've already had about a year of WCW taste in your mouth to sort of acclimatize your palate. So what did you think initially when you first saw the video package that, uh, that introduced us to Spring Stampede 98? Well, I've actually written... Also, hello, boys. Um, I am quite ill-prepared, so I can't use do my usual stick and mm. tell you how old I was. Um, actually, <laughs> April 19th, 1998. Let, let's just say I was two and a half. I was mm-hmm. close enough to two and a half years old. Um, so my initial um, note is holy hell, this is a very good WCW intro, exclamation mark, question mark. Okay, I'm hyped now. Yeah. That video was incredible. For WCW standards, it was amazing. I put the first, that's my first note too. Video package game, stepped up. Power struggle in the NWO. What did you reckon, Simon? Look, I thought it was good for a WCW show. I had the same thing. I said, looked fun. And it also looked like Macho, Nash, and Hogan cut some really good promos on Nitro because this was all about the power struggle of the NWO. So we're heating up, getting close to the Wolfpack forming. And they did a good job of finally recapping the month properly, not just random highlights stitched together for 30 seconds. Is it Dante's Inferno being read by Freddie Blassie levels of epicness like Unforgiven? No. 
but it was pretty good for WCW. So credit there. Yep. Baby steps. We then get taken to the commentary position where Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, and Bobby the Brain Heenan are welcome us. No DQ for the main event has just been announced. And then we kick off with our first match, which is Satin, Perry Satin with Billy Kidman taking on Goldberg. And um, now here's, here's my first note. Lodi is in the crowd and I completely forgot that the I always keep every time I see the flock in the crowd, I'm always reminded, I'm like, oh yeah, that's their shtick to be in the crowd. Like Simon, when you first saw this, um, and also did you notice that this is probably the first time that we've seen them bring up the streak for Goldberg? Yeah, they mentioned the streak. Uh, he's up to 73 wins. We haven't really seen many of them on pay-per-view. Uh, we've seen one on pay-per-view. Um, also interesting that. Tomorrow night on Nitro, he would get the US title match, uh, wrestling the winner of the match later on. Um, that's basically where he wins the US title, spoiler alert, because he's undefeated. So we know that's about to happen. So we are in full swing with Goldberg now. I thought this was pretty cool. Oh, and what did you think when you saw this Goldberg? Because I don't reckon he's quite the finished product yet. He's, he's I'd say, like he's more than 50% on the way there, but there's no pyro and fire and stuff like that but the streak is very much a thing at the moment yeah no uh, my first note was um is this the first time they've mentioned the streak on pay-per-view um which you answered and also my next one was 73 and 0 since when <laughs> yeah, apparently big, big worker on the house show circuit it would <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> big, big bill must be right really raking in those uh the the, the southern loop the Southern Loop Miles because He's making towns or just lots of Thursday Thunder shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I it was kind of. I mean, look, this match was okay. Um, I really enjoyed. There was that leg scissors takedown where, like, he he like jumped it. He jumped at Perry Satin, wrapped his legs around him, and then just flipped. Yeah, it's a cool move. That would be like that a Goldberg staple. Cool. It's pretty good. I've never seen it before. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and also, but then like I, I, I was watching the match and then I, I remembered that the other day on Twitter, this video popped off of like modern day Perry Satin. I had no idea he had like a massive tribal face tattoo, but that's the thing that's happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he also hasn't so, missed any meals, uh, it seems, since uh, he, he stopped actively wrestling, it would seem. Yeah. So um, that was that. That's also a thing that's happened in the past, what, 23 years? Um, yeah. But the crowd is insane. Like, so electric for gold. Like, I didn't realize, like, like you know, Obviously, look, I wasn't really like I wasn't watching wrestling when Goldberg was a thing. So, like, you don't really realize it, especially like these days when like the WWE and as Nims likes to always say, had the fact that his nostalgia run is longer than his initial run. Actual run, yeah. Like, you don't realize that like the crowd pop when he walked out was massive and they were hot the entire match. Like there was just no stopping this crowd. And I didn't realize that until like watching the sh the show this morning. I yeah. was like, they were on the entire time. And I thought that made the match even better than it was. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was going to be yeah. a quick one, but each guy, like Saturn did quite a bit in this too. And Saturn reverted back to more of his ECW style. We saw him do a lot of high flying, which he hasn't really done uh, yeah. in the flock just yet. I thought it made for a pretty fun, hard hitting match. 
both of these guys are guys you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley somewhere. No. And I no, think that's made it feel more exciting. Like these are two maniacs. Yeah. Um, I must say my favorite thing um, uh, was my two favorite things was when Perry Satin missed that, like the springboard back the springboard? elbow. Yeah. The just, botched one. <laughs> he just ate shit and it was hilarious. And then right before the end of the match, when, um, when there was the low, like the um, the Perry Satin low blow. Yeah, when um, oh, when Goldberg when Goldberg goes, so Goldberg uh, does his famous heart attack ending mule kick on Perry Satin, and he sets up a spear and but the goes for a jackhammer, and then Perry Satin counters it with a nut shot. <laughs> yes, but then you, but then because um, was it like Sick Boy was like kind of being a hooligan in the top in the top corner, Nick Patrick turns around. Sees a low blow, then turns back at Sick Boy. I'm like, you yep. saw it. He's like, oh, I wasn't meant to see this. Uh, see, that's what happens when you cut the mullet. You lose <laughs> yeah. all your ref powers. Can we just talk about the ending of this match? Because Goldberg did some crazy stuff in this match. He did the press slam. He did the the roll of the dice or the crossroads, which I always forget that he did it early on. But the last two moves of this match are absolutely insane, and everyone should go back and watch them. Goldberg does a top rope press slam. I've never seen anyone do that before. That him and Saturn sick. are both on the top rope and he press slams him. But yeah. then the ending, Saturn's got Goldberg in the rings of Saturn. And Which no Goldberg, one's kicked out of. No one's ever powered out of. No, no. one's powered out of. Goldberg he did doesn't the power bombs. Power out. He stands up and turns it into a press slam and then into a jackhammer. And it is insane. Yeah, he, he goes like he goes like the one arm deadlift, like you know how like you know your usual deadlift power bomb goes mm-hmm. one arm, goes up into the gorilla press into the jackhammer. It's like, how are you real? I <laughs> yeah. mean, he was made up of very synthetic materials at this stage. Well, if anyone's <laughs> ever watched the uh, the game intro to WCW Mayhem, apparently he is uh, a, nothing but a wireframe human being that then they graft <laughs> skin onto. So. <laughs> Secrets out, boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it only took a year before EA Sports revealed the dark secret of Goldberg. But uh, no, you guys are absolutely spot on there. This is like, because they still haven't figured out the Goldberg formula. Like, normally towards the latter end when he gets the title, it's just like spear, jackhammer, done. Spear, jackhammer, done. Take on Stephen Regal, get taken to school. Spear, jackhammer, done. <laughs> I would watch a whole program at Perry Satin. I, I can't believe I'm saying this sentence, by the way. So I'm happy it's on record. I, Owen Jones, would watch a whole program, like a six-month program at Perry Satin and Bill Goldberg, because that was sick. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd love to see how crazy they could get with it, because it's the perfect yeah. matchup. It was, it's two big, muscly boys, but like they can both go. Mm. Yeah. So it's not as if it's just like two muscly boys who are clubbing each other. It's like... <laughs> They both have stamina. They both both have like ring awareness. Like that's what I enjoy. I watched this. I watched this match on the ten past seven train from Keon Park into the city this morning, and I was so awake for it. Like this, <laughs> I love this match this yeah. morning, and I love it now. It's it's a hell of an opener, and then it's followed up by an even better match with Chavo Guerrero with Eddie Guerrero versus Ultimo Dragon. And Chavo is wearing his WCW NWO Revenge attire, which is the Eddie Guerrero is my favorite wrestler uh, t-shirt, which I absolutely love. Where do I get one? I want I want one of those shirts. 
I've never seen that shirt before and I need one in my life. Oh, wow. You've never seen it. That's one of the all-time best no. shirts ever. Just Eddie Guerrero no. is my favorite wrestler and on I the need... back, cheat to win. That's it. I, I, will, I will hunt. <laughs> I will hunt and I will find that shirt because I need it in my life and on my person. WCW, um, WWE did a, a later revision of that when for Los Guerreros. We just had cheat and the number two win on the back, uh, and, and it didn't have that. That's it didn't have the same sort of uh, awesomeness that the WCW NWO one did. But uh, there, Eddie oh, Guerrero they, is actually just, sorry. Just so everyone knows, they now sell that shirt on pro wrestling tees. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm buying. I'm buy- <laughs> yeah. Straight after we finish, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. <laughs> So good. And, and what I love too, like the actual t-shirt looks exactly like it did on Revenge with the poor font and the bad pixelation. It's just so good. Um, but this is this is a real sort of like, it picks up on the momentum, but it adds the extra layer of story with Eddie. And you forget, like everyone remembers how good he was in WWE, but he was doing this stuff even as, as early as 1998, that character work. It's fantastic. Yep, he has a towel on his head and he's just ashamed of Chavo and he puts the towel on and turns around every time Chavo messes up. And the crowd is obviously watching Eddie as much as the match. Anytime he does that, they just break out into Eddie sucks chants. Like we know that Eddie chants are iconic, but Eddie sucks was just as, you know, powerful Mm. and big. Good match. Honestly, this could have been the opener too. Like what a great start to the show. It says a bit where the like the cruiserweight match, and it just goes to show, like you know how much stock they put in Andy Guerrero that they didn't actually make him the uh, opening match because it's a match with storyline, um, which like it, it's a solid cruiserweight sort of match, and it's real back and forth too. But it's really more about the story between Chavo and Eddie and Ultimo Dragons is there, um, you know, playing his little bit part there. But Owen, what did you reckon about this one? Because this I, is this is more akin to the what we're used to seeing from the cruiserweights and uh, WCW. This this is my jam. I loved this so much as an Ultimo Dragon fanboy and as a Chavo fanboy and as an Eddie fanboy. I loved it. It was everything I needed. Um, it was so great. Um, Dra- Ultimo Dragon's music. I never really realized how much it really does slap. Like mm. it goes pretty hard. Um, it's kind. Of, it's kind of like everyone's into those like lo-fi beats of these days. Yeah. Like, I can. I can imagine like a lo-fi remix of um, of Ultimate Dragons, um, Andrew's music. Um, I also someone in the crowd has an air horn at reminded me of GCW shows. Um, there. So now into more like the nerdy things. There's a clear like watching this match. There's a clear reason why in like you know all these new shows these days. Oh well, like you know the 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 wrestler like the movie the mickey rock movie uh glow um heels all mm. these cut co- like the, the the young rock all these wrestling shows there's a reason why chavo is the lead trainer on these shows oh yeah like he is possibly like he's in my top three most underrated wrestlers of all time like and there's a reason because you watch this match and he is picture perfect he, he also did. He also did um Lucha Underground as well. Like he was a big he, part of that too. Back he in the day. he was he was one of the producers or something on like that too. Mm. He he is just so gifted to wrestling. It's just amazing. Um, I yeah I love this match so much. Um, not much like not much beats the drop kick reversal of like a top rope dive, and Chavo's reversal of that just minced 
Ultimo straight in the head. It was beautiful. Um, and then there's the the the, the go home spot. That was a really rough brain buster from uh, Chavo onto Ultimo Dragon because he was doing it like to like because what because Eddie used to do the he used to do the brain buster into the frog splash. He did the he did the brain buster and was looking at Eddie and then like Dragon just ate all of it on the top of his head. It was gross, <laughs> but awesome match. Great storyline. Like the post match was really good too. Um. Yeah, no, awesome. Loved it. Just Eddie berating Chavo with, what do I need to do to make you win? <laughs> it's just <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's great because it goes somewhere. And even though Chavo is just, you know, the clean cut young nephew who just wants to play by the rules, he goes off the rails soon enough. And then he gets yeah. to kind of, you know, match Eddie with the, the character stuff. Really good. Like this is where we're getting to the, the clearer division in WCW where the undercard is a completely different world to the main events in terms of quality and vibe, I guess. Yeah, very much so. And uh, we then get our first little spot of uh, where it's the WCW online sort of segment. It's a Lee Marshall interviewing DDP who is the universal, uh, not universal. He's the United States (laughs) champion, but, but, um, Raven's got the uh, the belt at the moment, and the bit that I love about this entire thing is like that dude that types loudly is back. Oh my god, it's my <laughs> it's, that's literally my first note. The loudest like, typer ever. He's just like, oh, we get it. You're on the internet, mate. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Did anyone else also pick up that Tony Schiavone still has that kind of like ah this internet thing? I don't quite know if it's going to take off. Yeah, he's not sold on it. He's like, go to the internet. WCW is at the forefront of this thing. Like, he doesn't believe it. And then you fast forward to 2022 when he's on Twitter shitting on everything Microsoft does, proclaims himself as an Apple fanboy, (laughs) and then just, like, tweets day in, day out about video games he's playing on the internet. So, my favorite, my favorite thing about the entire exchange between um, Tony as he's as they leave uh, Lee Marshall and DDP and the dude that types loudly, he's just like, oh, "Well, you can go to wcwwrestling.com on the internet as the way the world is going these days." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we then get on to our next belter of the night, Chris Benoit versus Booker oh. T for the TV title. Now, this um, I actually forgot that they had that stupid rule of like, uh, not stupid rule, but the TV title rule of matches on TV are 10 minutes and that's it. And that's how they got out of a lot of draws and things like that back in the day. But uh, the, the 10 minute limit is not in effect here, which plays a big role, but it is, this is an absolute banger of a match. And for those that are playing at home, you'd remember that uh, Chris Benoit and Booker T had like a best of seven series. This match isn't part of the best of seven. Like, oh, this really? Is just, yeah. This is completely independent to the best of seven. Now, when does the best of seven happen? Because I was trying to figure that out. I didn't want to spoil it and look up when it kicks off, but it's interesting that they had a match separate to that. I think they actually go back and forth for the TV title. Okay. I think it's like, and then all of a sudden it's just like, they needed like a story for it. Yeah. Because it's not the first time that we'll see these guys link up, especially if we look towards the end of this match. But uh, let, let's actually get into it. We'll dissect it because this is just, brilliant it's fantastic but they there was a line that stood out to me from tony shivani like is it just me or does bobby the brain heenan seem really disinterested in this match like he could not give an absolute rats with this one i didn't think that at all i thought heenan added a bit or especially early on where 
whether it was true or not, Bobby Heenan tries giving Booker some, uh, I guess, like credit. And he says that he saw Bobo Brazil at the airport. And he <laughs> said that Booker T would be a bigger star and win more matches than he mm. ever did. I think that's kind of a good thing for, for Heenan to add in. Because yeah, for then, all then the fans throwing... who may not mm. be interested in this, I think that gives them a reason to watch. He's also Maybe. throwing in lines like, you know, like, ah, oh, like, you know, arguing with Bobby the Brain is like arguing with your wife. And then he's like, when were you arguing with my wife? And things like, oh, no, no, that, that, no, that, that line, that line, line popped me. That line can stay. <laughs> because he wrecked him there. I thought it was good because, no, it was Tony saying to Mike Tanay, arguing with Brain is like a losing battle. It's like arguing with your wife. And he said, when did you ever argue with Mike's wife? Mike's wife. Yeah, there go. It's so <laughs> good. Um, Anytime I, Tony gets shut down, is good. I got to say, Simon, I thought of you. The second Booker T walked out, um, walked out of those shopping center. Um, those doors, by the way, reminded me of like what like a Costco would be like in the in like in like. <laughs> the uh in like the wild west those those those, the, those barn, uh, the, the barn doors that were that were a slidey door anyway i thought of you simon because booker t comes out and just goes ah! <laughs> yes he did a lot of them it's booker <laughs> t's like when he has nothing else to say he just goes ah although it's a lot more than benoit ever does there was such a contrast of their entrances oh. benoit looked so bored and disinterested and booker t is so hyped up like yeah good um, it's, a, it's a hell of a match hell of a oh, match yeah very good oh yeah i gotta say though there was a uh a i flagged it down as sentences that don't age well mm-hmm. um it was when benoit took a bump to the outside and heenan goes benoit hit the back of his head very badly yeah, <laughs> there's a diving headbutt there that it just made me massively cringe. I'm like, oh, dude. See, sentences at age back. Yeah, it's like, oh, my stars, Jeez Louise. Um, but there is, there's a lot of, um, there's a, a bit of shenanigans in this match too, because it is pretty, it's pretty pure. But then Mickey J gets involved when an axe kick sort of takes him out. And oh. that's where it sort of delves into a little bit of uh, the story kicks in here. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize how much Mickey J ate that kick until they showed like the reverse angle in the replay, and he copped all of that heel to the head. Like he, he got absolutely minced. But um, no, I actually, I really, really, did. I really loved this match. This match was really, really cool. Um, I must, I did say though, um, I must, pop, I did pop a little when uh, Shivani was like, Booker T is more of a high flyer in this match. I'm like, uh, not really. <laughs> Tony at this point in time is just like, this is why so many people hated Tony Schiavone back. Like, I know that we all love him and on Dynamite now, but everyone literally hated Tony Schiavone's commentary back in the day with these now front I leg see kicks why. and stuff. Like, oh man. But um, I gotta say, like, I um, Brain called Benoit the Wolverine for the first time in like a year and a half. Like I haven't heard him call him the Wolverine for ages because he was like the Wolverine in the Horseman, wasn't he? Oh well, he was always a Canadian Crippler, wasn't he? In like it was, I always thought like him in WWE was more the rabid Wolverine. I think it was a WCW thing, but I can't remember at what point. Unless now is when they kind of start adding that in. Okay, I just always remember he was always the Canadian Crippler, the Canadian Crippler. Like they always threw in Canadian Crippler, like. What? So he's not a domestic crippler then. He's just a <laughs> specific. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely reword that, Nims. Yeah. But anyway, um, so 
but I must say, and it, I popped for it early on. I'm like, okay, look, they bought it up. It's very, you know, geographical. But oh my God, the altitude jokes had to stop. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, talking about like, you know, like the air is thin and all that bloody, bloody blah. And Booker um, T got in two, Booker T got in three days early to acclimatize to the altitude. And I must say, though, I popped real good for when Hayden went on a massive, like, 35-second rant about how he didn't get in early. He got the frequent flyers and got the cheap hotel. <laughs> I popped pretty good for that. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. Like, Hayden just seemed to be like, ah, oh, I'm just going to do my own thing with this match. But uh, but um, let's talk about this ending because, like, so Mickey J is rather heavily involved here. Booker T um, gets put into the crossface, and it looks like he taps out while Mickey J is out, but he ends up grabbing the ropes. Benoit then goes to revive Mickey J and gets a Harlem sidekick for his trouble. And the best part about this in time match that I love is the commentary team. This is where they all sort of work together and pull as a team, where they do that the big debate at the end whether or not Booker cheated and tapped out. Yeah, because it was a great ending, and we don't usually see that mm. in undercard matches where there's debate about, you know, this dramatic ending because Booker T was crawling to the rope, but as he crawled with his hand, it looked like he tapped out. So there's a reason for this feud to continue. And also when Benoit was reviving the ref and Booker hit that Harlem sidekick, he hit the Harlem sidekick over the referee and hit Benoit. Yeah. That was oh, amazing. That was sick. That was sick. Yeah, that was very it was. Good. It was brilliant, but yeah, everyone sort of pulled together and it did tremendously. And uh, yeah, so but Booker T still the TV champ, but with a little bit of controversy added to it uh, as we get to our next match, which is probably the first dud. I figure I was, going on. I was I was going to say this paper. This paper you could stop after that match, and I'd be happy. Yeah. Like honestly, the that show could stop after that match. I'm like, look, I've just seen three really good matches. I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah, I was. I can't remember the last WCW show we saw where there were three good matches to start. It's been a while. There was some in '96. Yeah, but this was such a great start. I was really so... not expecting it. But then when I saw Bulldog with Anvil versus Mister Perfect with Rick Rude, and then they mentioned that there were going to be handcuffs and the managers would be handcuffed. Oh I thought, my this, god, this can't be good. But I, you know what? I was optimistic and I'm annoyed that I was because this was not good. This would have been better, not in 1998, but in 1988. Bulldog versus now, Perfect, but this was... So, oh. here's here's one I got for you, Simon. Is Was Jim the Anvil Nightheart wearing his WWF Heart Foundation jacket? Because that looked faded ass. I think they all kept their jackets. I'm convinced I saw them all wear them in WCW, yeah. just as holdovers, but they really didn't fit. Bulldog, no. Anvil, and Bret Hart just didn't fit in WCW. There was just something, I don't know, outdated. Was, it's it's so weird because it was still cutting edge in 97 in WWE, but they jump over and it's just... They uh, are the roundest of pegs in the squarest of holes in, WW, in uh, WCW, but Bulldog here gets the upper hand and sort of works the knee on Henning. Oh, but oh, sorry, I should mention the, the shenanigans at the start where where Rick Rude refuses to uh, get put in handcuffs and then eventually they finally get him to do it. But um, And law it, enforcement it, come out and the police yeah. are out there. And... Denver's finest. <laughs> oh, no, he said Detroit and then, that, Detroit. And then, they'll, then they'll blame him the altitude. Oh, altitude jokes. <laughs> um, I must say, though, compared to the four behemoths standing around him, 
Mark Curtis did not look suitable to be a referee and an authority figure for this wrestling match. Because <laughs> he looked like a prep, a bunch of, he, he looked like when like, he looked like, like a prep near a bunch of grade sixes. <laughs> like, yeah, he couldn't nah. hold this together. No one could. What an absolute mess of a match. This might have been, honestly, this is Conan versus uh, Hugh Morris levels of worst <laughs> WCW match. Yeah. It was yeah. so bad. It was honestly like Bulldog was just atrocious. All he did was this. kick Kurt Hennig's leg for like 10 minutes. The, you know what? Gassed. The only good thing about this match is that it was short. Uh, yeah. There was. Oh, oh, let's give let's give Bulldog his credit though. There, uh, the one spot where it, he didn't kick the legs, he did the the smashing of Hennig's head on the turnbuckles for the ten count, and I think they focused too much on that because then we missed the was so was Vincent the cop all along, or did they do twin magic? I they must have done twin magic because I was so confused because Anvil is just choking a cop violently, and I was like, yeah, what is he choking <laughs> this cop. It was a really like full-on image and i was like and you couldn't see the cop properly too so it's just like what is going on he's just choking a cop uh anyway the cop was vincent somehow and he did he give rude the keys they never made it clear either no no they really didn't so rude ends up unlocking the handcuffs he handcuffs the anvil to the ring post kind of like a magician how did anvil not know that was happening either like that was impressive And then there is a, a post-match um, beatdown on the Bulldog and Jim Neidhart. And all I could think of as I was watching this was just like, just think about it. Probably, was it roughly a year ago that it's Canadian Stampede and then these two are on the highest of highs <laughs> and now they're on the absolute lowest of lows. It's just down the toilet for the Heart Foundation. A year ago, you could have said a dream faction match would have been the NWO versus the Heart Foundation. <laughs> Not anymore. It was just so awful. And you're right there. I don't know what it is, but just they these guys did not fit into the WCW picture, did they? Not at all. All right. When we talked about the first three matches, getting us on a real high at Spring Stampede, uh, it seems like Anvil versus uh, Anvil Bulldog and Kurt Hennig and Rick Root were just the tip of the downward slide. Prince Ikea versus Chris Jericho. Now, I look, I'm being a bit harsh here because I actually put one of my notes is this is probably the best Prince Ikea match we've seen so far. But, um, First thing, an interesting note that I uh, picked up, Chris Jericho still announces from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Like, tell me everyone picked up on that one. Yeah. I didn't it's... notice that. I was too preoccupied by the dubbing of his music still. It's it just, <laughs> I know why they do it. It's just really awkward now. Because I was paying to, like, attention it's... how they mute the crowd and stuff. I was too preoccupied by two things. And they were bo- they're, both re- they're both related to the way Chris Jericho looked. One, he looks like a member of a 2022 AFL team with the ponytail yep. and like the little <laughs> strand headband. He looks like every center half forward. Um, and two, this one's for you, Simon. He looked like a member of a striper with those uh, yellow and black. The yellow, uh, the and, yellow black. and black tight. Yellow and black is back. Yellow and black attack. I'm convinced it's on purpose. I'm pretty sure I've I heard it. Him I've, He's a striper, I, yeah, a striper I, band. I, He's a massive striper fan. Yeah. And I've heard somewhere before he, he did like a striper podcast with Howard Jones of Killswitch Engage, um, that he did he did yell on Black Year in WCW. I think I think it might be this one. 
Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> he definitely, obviously, looks like he'd be in a glam metal band. It makes and a also, lot of sense. And also, he did go to Michael Sweet's wedding. Well, there you go. Nice. The other <laughs> year. There you go. That's more crap I know. <laughs> um, so, one thing that I loved about the start of this match is Chris Jericho completely delusional face is still my favorite character in him implying that Dean Malenko is at home watching this match eating potato chips and drinking Coca-Cola just because it was so specific is just the best really weird that he said the brand name because normally they'd be like drinking soda pop but he was specific Coca-Cola yeah he maybe he maybe had he he was having like an underhand deal from Coke he was uh, he was getting oh No, wait a minute. Would because Coca Cola is an Atlanta company, would that be WCW being from Atlanta? Would there be like a a Turner Tentacle inlet? Now, Chris, if you're going to mention any cola brand, make sure it's America's (laughs) favorite because you know Coca Cola. Yeah, maybe they gave him yeah money under the table. There we go. (laughs) But um, look, let's get this match because who's uh, who's Santa Claus and the polar bear? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, the polar bear is just at the curtain, just like <laughs> <laughs> um but like one thing that I did like about this match was it did kind of show the depth of WCW's cruiserweight division and just how many of these guys were wasted because poor Prince Ikea, he gets such a bad rap because everyone remembers his run as the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea. <laughs> but um, anything I've known about this, guys, because it, it was... I still reckon it's the Prince, it's the best Prince Ikea match I've ever seen. Well, I'll give props to anybody who, who um, wrestles in bare feet and then takes... A heel bump on the apron of the ring, because <laughs> that was really gross. It was when they were both on the top, and they just kind of both bailed, and he hit heel first on the apron, and I was like, eh, "No thanks." Mm. Well, I'll also give this match some credit. When I saw Prince Ika walk out, walk out, I thought, "Come on, what's happened to this pay per view? This is terrible." <laughs> I wasn't interested in the first half of the match because I was just. You know, it's Prince. What is Prince IK doing on my TV? I'll be honest. The last few minutes of this match were very good. They did a lot of near falls. Yep. Jericho did a nice counter from a victory roll into the the Lion Tamer. I thought it was over, but that was just the start of them ramping up the the near falls and trading finishes. And, you know, Jericho goes for the top rope runner and they all fell down. And they did a lot of good stuff for those last few minutes. So, Credit where it's due, Prince Iakea and Jericho turned it up for a couple of minutes. Yeah, and let's talk about the ending briefly too, because so Prince Iakea gets off the top rope into a sunset flip attempt, but that is then reversed into a lion tamer. And I know like the walls of Jericho are probably like is the thing that people would know Jericho for as his finisher now. But man, how brutal did the line tamer look back in the day with the knee just dug straight into the back? It was just such a good move. Yeah, it was great. And especially because Prince Iakea is so much smaller than Jericho. Jericho could literally fold him in half. It was awesome. Yeah. Mm. Uh, um, so, yeah, Jericho gets the win, retains the Cruiserweight Championship, and then post-match steals the little robe thing that Prince Iakea has, which just adds the icing on the cake. And and I love how Tony Schiavone's like, looks like he's just got out of the shower or was just wearing a towel. Which seemed kind of uh, insensitive for someone like Tony Schiavone to say, because, you know, 
Oh, look at this point in time. I think Tony Tony's very That's much Prince Ikea's cultural uh, dress or whatever. <laughs> I, don't know. I think at this point in time, Tony's just checked out because we get to our next uh, little spot, which is Lee Marshall, Tony the Tiger, back at the <laughs> online spot, and he's got Raven there as well. And this is the one note that I've written down for this because Tony mentions how, like you know, like oh, and you can listen to this on the internet on real media. Do you reckon somewhere on like a floppy disk or a CDR or is or an iOmega zip drive somewhere, there is all of these real media recordings just wow. laying around somewhere? WWE should release them if they've got the audio. Put them out as a podcast series. The WCW <laughs> interviews. Why not? I don't know, but now that you mentioned it, I know that I know for a fact that you Nims are going to stay up until two AM, <laughs> just trolling the deep dark depths of the web. <laughs> my note the- for this segment though was raven you couldn't hear it because they don't turn the mics up too loud but he's talking and he says that like shakespeare said revenge is a dish be- best served cold and then i thought oh was that a shakespeare quote turns out it wasn't it was raven not. just talking trash just making up quotes yeah talk about fake it till you make it like <laughs> well done well done well done scott levy johnny polo's doing well for himself eh? <laughs> That's kind of um, a great gimmick, though. Guy who misrepresents quotes to like the wrong people or whatever. That's kind of well, like, well, yeah, you know? like the, the actual quote he's based his entire character off. He says wrong. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as we that's discussed last episode. Yeah, hmm. fake intellectual is a great gimmick, and I guess that's what Raven was in. The well, end, I mean, but... he's going for that, that stoner rock guy, and we've all been to a party who oh, is that yeah. guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right down to the attire and the and the the hair and the face. Yeah. Um, well, and we the then eyebrow get to... ring. <laughs> Basically, he he is Drazic from Heartbreak High personified. Oh man, if he rollerblades <laughs> down to the ring, I would be so wrapped. Is he the one? Who wore, is he the one who wore the footscray jumper? Oh no, that was the grassy. My bad. That was the grassy. Yeah, different yeah, that continent. Was... That was wheels back in the day, just, just for those playing at home. <laughs> um, we get to our next little segment, which was Buff and Scott Steiner uh, coming out. Oh, sorry, Buff Bagwell and Scott God. Steiner coming out to do a pre-match promo. And uh, like the thing, like so, the, the shenanigans here is that Buff's trying to claim that he's a, got a medical injury, which leads to one of my favorite lines from uh, it's either Tony Schiavone or Bobby the Brain that says it, where it's like, "There are subs that are wrapped better than that hand." Oh, that was Heenan. Yeah, I was hated. Yeah, 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 yeah. That popped me real good. That one. Now, if if I'm not mistaken, was Scott Steiner very close to dropping the f bomb when he says cancel the the match? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he he really just had to force himself to move the mic away from his face. Yes. It seemed like really bold. Like, oh, not meant to say that. I'm new to talking, <laughs> so you know, yeah. getting the the sort of early moments of Big Papa Pumps. Uh, wildness here he's not fully yep. big papa pump yet even though it says it on the front of his tights i'm not going to count it as 100 percent because no. on the back it also says superstar so he was tossing up between the two nicknames here he didn't commit. although although tony does say this for the first time i reckon tony shimani mentions him as big papa pump okay so they're he rolling says- with it no, but, but Tony, Tony does that, you know, the thing is like, he's calling himself Big Papa Pump now, you know, like the, the real, like, we'll float this out there. And if it, and if it, if it dies, then we'll, we won't mention it ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like how, like how no one ever refers to Mark Merrow anymore as wild man. It's like, <laughs> never happened. Never happened. Don't know what Which you're talking Nims about. Which Nims is very upset about. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I really popped during one of the WWE pay-per-views where JR accidentally calls him Wild Man, and then you hear him go, Wild Man, Mark Merrow. Excuse me. Marvelous. <laughs> like he's almost apologizing <laughs> on air to Vince yelling at his headset. <laughs> um, but let's get into this match because Rick Steiner, even though he looks like he's, you know, a toy in a happy meal, just goes straight <laughs> for Scott Steiner. And Rick and Buff lock up and it's all Rick so far. And they really play the story that Scott Steiner is scared of his big brother, Rick. Yeah, this is. Not a good match. There's only one story here. It's can Rick Steiner get his hands on Scott Steiner? It's a tag match. We've got Rick and Lex Luger against Scott and Buff. But at one point, Rick Steiner is just being beaten up for like five minutes. He doesn't yeah. look tough or like a threat at all. There are some really interesting choices in WCW in this period. And and Lex Luger also is just like, he does the, you'll notice this too, and you probably would have picked this up. Lex Luger as a tag team partner is no good until the hot tag because all he does is just stand on the apron and winces like, damn, finally I can do something. <laughs> He's the most stringent tag team wrestler. It's like, nope, got to play, got to stick by the rules. You either got to tag me. That's the only way I'm getting involved. It's a good yeah. idea though, because as we've mentioned over the years, Lex Luger hot tags are like the hottest of hot tags. And I oh think you've, I think you've figured out why. He doesn't interfere. He doesn't put a leg through the ropes. He doesn't like cr- hype the crowd up. He waits until he's tagged in officially. And then <laughs> honestly, the pop Lex Luger got for the hot tag was one of the loudest of the night as usual. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially when he starts breaking out the chicken dance. And, uh, <laughs> but then, then incredible heel heat because big Papa pump stops the chicken dance. He does. And then he bolts. He just leaves the arena after that. This match was only, what, three minutes long? It wasn't long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, a anyway, pretty cool little, yeah. when Lex Luger finally got the torture rack on Buff Bagwell, it was almost like a pop on top of a pop. Like the crowd, hmm. doesn't matter how bad the match is, if he puts on the torture rack, that's all they came to see. Yeah, they get out of their seats. They stand up. It's like... <laughs> it's wild. It's, it's, we've, and, and I, uh, the best part that I love is like, we've almost Stockholm syndrome Owen into liking Lex Luger now because remember at the start when we first got yelled, like, oh, I don't quite get Lex Luger now. You're like, yes, he's put him <laughs> no, in the rack. No, see, when, <laughs> see, when I first jumped on, was, was Road, was Hogwild 96. Mm. And I was yeah. like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. But now I'm like, yeah! Like the entire <laughs> time. The I'm like, do it! Like the entire time. Like he'll walk out. I'm like, yes, yes. But like, literally, he's, I am obsessed with Les, with Les mm. Luger. It's just ridiculous. Like, I just love him so much. Like, this is genuine emotion. I love him. He's great. Because because he, he does the greatest hits. Like, he just he gets in the ring, does the forearm, like a couple of forearms here <laughs> yeah. and there. Just Chicken dance. And, the- <laughs> and then you fast forward to 2022. He's sharing dog videos on Twitter. What's not to like about him? Interesting. On two separate podcasts in the past week or whatever, I've heard, like, the discussion about Lex Luger. And was he underrated or whatever? Maybe he was. We're watching it back and we're like, man, this guy was better than we all thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone just, it's just, it. I reckon it's Stockholm Syndrome, personally. But um, <laughs> you watch enough of the chicken dance and you'll just be standing in the kitchen, just 
waving yeah, your just arms. You're standing no just rack him legs. Put Hugh Morris in the torture rack. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get your cat and you're like, rack. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so mean, we then get to our next uh, little segment, which is Mean Gene Oakland with a hotline plug concerning the NWO. Now he's talking about a new member. Is he just basically alluding that like, because X-Pac has left, he's like, well, I need something to spice this thing up. What are you like? Um, I did mean, you look into this? There's Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Oh, of course. Let's, let's, let's not Don't forget be, the booty, man. Don't forget that. <laughs> he does. You're right. That it could be an X-Puff kind of tease because he mentioned something about, oh, someone who left is coming back and he's brought someone else with him. So I don't know. At this point, maybe Mean Gene is just making things up. Yeah. And you know what? Just until Owen pointed out, he probably could have been talking about the disciple. Like he very well. Yeah. Um, we get to our next match, which is La Parker versus Psychosis. It's an unadvertised match, according to Tony Schiavone. And it was stayed unadvertised. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I wasn't well, the only one. La Parker <laughs> starts with a chair in the ring, just like he did in WCW NWO Revenge. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a match. <laughs> this okay, so the, I, I will sum this up in my three in my three notes. I've checked out. the crowd are absolutely dead and the timekeeper must have not given a shit because he was so late ringing the bell he rang it eight times yeah Yeah. he was asleep and then he woke up and oh just right like that like the ref called for the bell and there was probably a good five six seconds and it was like i'm like (laughs) the the timekeeper didn't care He's doing that. He was doing that thing where, you know, it's like, see, the bell wasn't working, but now it is. See, it's really working now. Yeah, yeah it wasn't <laughs> working. I had to test it. Um, um, yeah, it's. Oh, and here's the other thing, too. Like, I'm going like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to shit on the ending here because LaParka was so close to the ropes. It, it's how easy was it for him to do? In fact, it was only, uh, he was very consciously trying not to have his foot under the rope because once the three count is done, he sprawled out like starfish style and his leg is fully under the rope. I was so relieved that he didn't grab the rope. When I saw that it was a pinfall near the ropes, I thought, don't grab the rope. I hope this isn't just a near fall. And when he got the three, I was like, thank God. And I know these guys are talented and they're good wrestlers, but Really, this was only five minutes. It was two guys with no story, just doing a few moves. It wasn't. Hey, come on! They were tag team partners oh, at sorry. some random house show, no doubt. Yeah. They were tag team partners in the ridiculous eight man we watched three shows ago, which <laughs> sucked. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that was the right. feud. That was the feud. You flew me in for this. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? To be fair, didn't Laparka hit? even his teammates with the chair. So I suppose yep, there is a story. This uh, is the kind of match that doesn't age well because it's just high-flying moves. High-flying moves have come so far in 25 years. When you watch this back with no story and no one's over, you're like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Hey, Simon, have you noticed that Lepar- Like to me at least, LaParka's music sounds like really watered down dream theater. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to pay attention. Like to it. the synth sounds exactly like the sit. Like it sounds exactly like Jordan synth tone okay. on like all of images and words, and it's hilarious to me. I wouldn't be shocked. Everything's a knockoff in WCW. That's that's a deep cut. I'm gonna it's like to- it's it's like Dream Theater in standard in standard time, and not like eleven four. <laughs> it's hilarious. 
um so we'll move on to the next uh, the next little segment which is so they're back at the desk also this is um la Parker's player two costume in uh wcw <laughs> nwo revenge so i look forward to seeing him in player three and four which is a blue version of that and a slightly salmon version of that <laughs> Um, but uh, so, so yeah, then we, we get back to the desk with Bobby the Heenan, uh, basically Bobby the Heenan Brian. I love Bobby the Heenan Brian. <laughs> oh, sorry, with- that's like an Iron <laughs> Sheik um, kind of name for him. Oh, you're Bobby, Bobby the Heenan Brian. <laughs> so Bobby the Brain Heenan. He, I love how he just basically uses this occasion to shit on the Denver Nuggets. Like that's the only purpose of this. <laughs> Also, did you like now that we've watched a couple of these? Do you find that these just basically kill all the momentum to the show when they go back to the commentators? Yep. And you know what? You know what killed my momentum? Looking at the looking at the at, at the time left, seeing forty five minutes of going. <laughs> oh my god! There's three. There's still three matches left. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I will say the next match, even if it's not a good match, it at least picks the energy back up. As yep. stupid yeah. as this match is, at least it was kind of exciting. Yeah, I'll give you that one too. But I, I also shared the same thoughts of Owen. Uh, I've wrote, this goes on for far, far, far too long. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, we get to our next match, which is Kevin Nash is out first. And he's using the NWO theme. Now, this is where you talked a little bit earlier, Simon, about overdubbing music. So... Tony Schiavone mentions that uh, Hogan now uses uh, Hendrix as as his entrance music, but the NWO thing kicks in, and I was just like, "Oh, that's a, that's a bit unusual." And then there's a bit that's really, really poorly edited because for some reason they really wanted to have Hogan going, "I'm the man" from Hogan, which still obviously still has the Hendrix music underlaid, but they're trying to like, oh, how do we splice this in? And it just does not work. Yeah, they kind of, I thought that was odd too. They like muted the overdub music just so Hogan could get that line in. And then they went back to it. There was also a funny bit when they were discussing the music. Mike Tanay, like Tony says, oh, you know, Voodoo Child by um, Jimi Hendrix. And Tanay's like, oh, is that how you pronounce the name of the song? Oh, that, that killed joke or something, but what was up there? That was weird. Yeah. Uh, who the hell knows with that one? And also um, so, yeah. the announcer during Nash's entrance calls him Kevin Nash, the self-proclaimed big sexy, the giant killer. So this mm. might be the first time he's using the big sexy name. Yeah, and they, use, they use it a lot in commentary. Yes, because yeah. ninety like it's only ninety nine where he's full big sexy Kevin Nash like post Wolfpack. So you're right, and if if like spoiler alert, obviously, but the Wolfpack makes its debut on pay per view next at Slamboree, isn't it? Yeah, they form in like a week or two. So yeah, yeah. um, so yeah, uh, then Piper and Giant come out now. Rowdy Roddy Piper, which I thought was pretty cool, goes straight for the bat first. Oh, it's a bat match for those playing at home, which so is the a first bat person- on a pole. And these are the biggest poles in WCW. Like these, these require like council approval before they get put up on the ring. Like that's how huge these poles are. Um, I must say, and as, uh, as listeners who may have followed Simon and my podcast career over the past four years, we have a Hulk Hogan tan scale and our boy broke it. He was as dark as the baseball that was. Now, look, I say this in jest. 
he was the same color as Nims. Like, yeah. I'm not even, I, I'm and not even being any, I'm not even being crude. He literally is, was. Which is what made it even more like weird because there's a bit where he takes the belt off and I think he, he's he got that slight tan line just yeah. in his ass. And it's just like, and it stands out so badly because he's so brown. Well, Roddy oh. Piper moons him, but we don't see the moon camera angle. There must have been a hell of a contrast there below the pant line. <laughs> Can I just say, all credit for this match being fun goes to Roddy Piper, who just went into full Roddy Piper mode. He's doing punches. He's overselling. He's doing eye pokes. He spanks Hulk Hogan, and then he tags Giant in, who literally puts Hogan over his knee and spanks him like a baby. You know that was a Roddy Piper spot. This match was so stupid, but very entertaining. Here's the other thing. While, While... Hollywood Hogan is being spanked over the knee of Paul White, <laughs> which is a sentence I don't think I've ever said before. <laughs> Tony Schiavone then goes, this is what the entire world wanted to see. I'm like, is it? Or is this just Tony Schiavone's kink? <laughs> yeah, it's like, Tony, are you, have you just maybe just let a little bit too much into your personal life here? <laughs> Oh, can I, look, that was a good call, but I think call of the night goes to brain when, um, when Piper rips off the, the bandana of Hogan and then Javai's like, oh, he's taking the do-rag off and he's pulling out Hogan's hair. And then Heenan goes, that won't take long. It <laughs> ruined me. I thought that was so good. I reckon Heenan would have wanted to make bold jokes for so long, but in the WWE, you weren't allowed to mention <laughs> no, it. So no. he finally got to get it out. So funny. It's actually funny. Like that's such a sensitive uh, angle for, for Hulk Hogan, because like, I remember one of the delays for legends of WrestleMania, the video game that uh, THQ put out, they, it was because Hogan looked too bald in all of his old appearances. Like they had to sort of move his, his hairline just a bit more forward. But um <laughs> Yeah, look, so Piper's got the bat, but the NWO sort of rallies together. Like, And Nash and, Nash and Hogan, despite feuding, are working together here. Then our buddy, Brutus the Barber, booty man without a face, beefcake, uh, the disciple comes out with a bat of his own. And then Hogan accidentally clocks Nash with the bat. And then disciple chucks him another one. And geez, it's just a, an absolute cluster here. But cluster. he then goes on to win. He then goes on to win. Simple as that. Yes. Yeah. And then there's at the a, end, there's a bat that the good guys get, and then Disciple steals the bat. But then he steals the bat they were using with the bat he brought in, and they do a switcheroo with the bats for yeah. no reason. I was fair, expecting the bat that throw. he brought in to have like gunpowder or something in it. You know? <laughs> it, was, it was just another. No, like bat. like something cool. Like like, but no, it was just another bat. Can I also say that looking at looking at Brutus the Barber Beefcake, like 1998 version of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. It, it's kind of scary because I feel like it's how I'm going to look in like 25 years time. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like, you know, pretty jacked, beard, long hair, kind of like hairline receding. I'm assuming I might tan. Like, it's a little bit scary to me. You're going to well, need a real tan. I'll, let's give Disciple credit. He is Hogan's Disciple oh, for a reason. He His tans up v- there. Very I, much so. I, I, I reckon they just hugged in the tan booth. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I want to give I want to give the giant some credit here. He hits a drop kick on Kevin Nash. Oh yes, that is so hard and so impressive. It knocks Nash out of the ring. 
I don't yeah, know if he meant I, to, I, but I, he kicked the no, crap out of him. He, I don't think he did because Nash like took a really rough bump on the <laughs> yeah. outside, and like you see him come up going, "Oh," and like really <laughs> rough. Can I also say though, there, you know, the spot was when when Hogan took out um Giant with the bat. That was the lightest hit I've ever seen. Oh anybody. yes, yeah. And then and it's like here's the thing though. I was like, you know. They were like, oh, the giant, 500 pounds. He got hit in the, he got hit in the back with a baseball bat. It's like, oh, and he just knocked him out. Mm. Like, yeah. you know, getting hit, the, touch. getting hit with a baseball bat surely would hurt. Anyway, duh. Mm. But like, you're proclaiming he's 500 pounds. He's the biggest athlete in the world. Mm. And he gets put down by a baseball bat. Whereas yeah. Hogan gets three baseball hits to the stomach and nothing happens. He no-sells all of them. <laughs> and wins. And wins. Yeah. Yeah, and wins. And then post-match, uh, Nash, like, first of all, how is, like, everyone must be drinking the Hogan Kool-Aid back then because I love how, like, uh, Hogan's like, you know, go powerbomb the giant again, brother. And Nash is like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'll do that. Goes to powerbomb the giant. And then Hogan smacks Nash with the bat intentionally. And then, you know, shenanigans ensue. The giant chases off um, Hogan and Disciple. And then... Only through the wonders of commentary that we find out that Vincent and Scott Norton then help Kevin Nash back because we don't see that at all. The worst camera work ever. Probably good that we didn't, though, because knowing how it turns out, they're guys who wouldn't be in the Wolfpack anyway. True, true. You know, oh, imagine Vincent in the Wolfpack. That that'd be uh, that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, we then we then see the flock in the crowd. It seems like they're padding for a little bit, and then we have an ad. For Slambury, which is apparently billed as the event that will change wrestling forever. So big, so important, it will change pro wrestling forever. It's like, all right, calm down. We'll see. <laughs> so let's get to the meat and potatoes of which which I like to I reckon this would be it'd be worthy of calling a triple main event because you got DDP versus Raven. This is for the United States championship here. So that was that that sort of kicked off the main event portion of the show, which frighteningly doesn't have um, uh, Hogan in the main event, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. But DDP, this is a Ravens rules match, which is basically a no DQ match. DDP is the champion, but Raven has the physical belt. Uh, He's not the champion yet. DDP still comes out first, which is very, very odd. But um, I actually thought this was probably the match of the night out out of the entire thing, which probably isn't saying much, but DDP is just on fire here and i completely forgot about his feud with raiden oh raiden without raiden (laughs) i wish he feuded with raiden that would have been cool yeah Yeah, but what what do you think of this one simon because like did you remember this encounter because it's just sort of completely was wiped from my memory and i'm like oh that's right they did have a, a program together well we saw them wrestle a couple of months ago and then i thought that was the only one or or was it ddp and saturn I don't know. It's DDP and Saturn, I think. Yeah, so DDP's been involved with the flock. I thought the match last month with Chris Benoit, the triple threat, was the end of the feud. I didn't realize they would have another brawl because I think in my head, the image of them fighting with weapons up around the stage was only the triple threat. This yeah. match, though, is kind of, I don't know if it's as good as the triple threat, but it's very, very good and very entertaining. I love this. I thought it was cool. And again, I thought it was really, kind of really another good, yeah. sign of, WCW's undercard kind of you look at it and you think there's so much potential all of these guys are going to be future stars it kind of just doesn't happen this is the where they sort of just end 
So uh, this this match is also marred by interference from the flock. And just as a quick side note, I thought that Sick Boy had some real JXT looking vibes in this uh, in this match. Just just a smidge there, like a budget JXT. He will, lo- he will love hearing that, by the way. <laughs> Can we talk about that, though? Because this is the first time I think we've seen Sick Boy interfere so much in a match. But hmm. have either of you, like, heard about sort of the supposed plans for Sick Boy in WWE? Are they, like, No. They've only spoken about it in the last year. I think Tommy Dreamer kind of told the story on a podcast somewhere. But anyway, his real name is Scott Vick. He was meant to be the brother of Katie Vick. He was oh, meant to yes. feud with Triple H at WrestleMania. No way! And you watch yes. him here, you're like, really? That's what you were thinking? Surely mm. not. There you go. That's yeah, incredible. Jeez, that would have yeah, because that's what that's what that feud needed. That's what was missing. That was the missing ingredient of that yeah, one. But um, boy, <laughs> um, but look, the, the the match heads to the entranceway as as you did touch on, and everything from the kitchen sink gets thrown at this match, and it is actually really really good. Um, they even brawl the WCW online set. Like DDP is just at the peak of his powers right here. Yeah, and can I say when they did the vertical suplex through? the WCW online table, mm. Shivani killed me because he literally said, and they've crashed through the internet. <laughs> the entire the entire internet as we know it was taken out by Raven and DDP doing a very disgusting looking vertical suplex, may I add. Because he kind of got him up and he's like, we're not going over. He just threw him. <laughs> he's like, he threw ya. him through the internet. Yeah, and then oh. the, in- the entire internet went down. So, like, you know, the dial-up gone, phone lines down, boop, gone. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's <laughs> like the idea that someone's like, just think of, Mom! <laughs> I paid hey, $50 Mom! for the audio of this pay-per-view and I can't hear it. <laughs> what about yeah. right next to the internet? There was literally, a, you know, like a catering table with a cloth on it. They went through that as well. And the commentary team was like, that's our VIP area. They've wrecked it. The VIP area was just a table. Surely not. I would be so fuming if I paid top dollar (laughs) and that was my VIP table. Yeah. No booth. No, you know, nothing. Not like the other month when they were picnic tables. They were cool. That's right. And and that weird fake grass. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. No, we're just going to set you up on, like, you know, the bleachers. No, thanks. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, this is this match has everything thrown at it. There's even a cowbell and bull rope getting involved, too. Uh, and then we get the full cast of characters from the flock, because Hammer also gets involved. Um, I, I forgot that Hammer even existed, <laughs> quite frankly. Not to be confused with Van Hammer. Is that Van Hammer? He is Van Hammer. That's Van Hammer. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I'm thinking of Hack, sorry. Not to be confused with Hack, a.k.a. <laughs> yeah. Sandman. AKA the Triple J nightly show? No, no. <laughs> so Sandman had a brief, and I'm talking brief run in WCW. It was just called Hack. H A K. We look forward to that one coming up in a couple of months' time. But um, yeah, it, and then Reese gets involved too. There's just all the all of the flocks sort of get in there to to sort of foot soldiers in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sort of uh, effect. It's just a hell of a cluster, but it actually works really good. Like, it's not like, oh, great, a run-in. Like, it works for the match. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement because DDP has to weather the storm and beat off 
<laughs> not beat up. <laughs> he, <used different laughs> words. he has to beat up. I was trying yeah. to say beat up and fight off. Yeah. Combining those is a very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a very different pay per view. I... DDP's beating off the flop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. That that's a handicap match. Um, <laughs> DDP brought his working boots for that one. <laughs> oh. New meaning to feel the bang. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all oh, it's oh all... self high five or five yes, knuckle shuffle. Exactly. <laughs> this is so good. Um, it's all <laughs> topped off though with a new member of the flock or someone we haven't really seen yet, Horace. Do you know anything about Horace Owen? <laughs> no, I know I know there's currently a New Zealand wrestler out of Heathen Combat um named Horace, but okay. I, I doubt it's him because I think he's only about 21 years old. Well, we oh, would man. find out later that Horace he would eventually this. join the NWO and he would be Horace Hogan. He is the real life nephew of Hulk Hogan. Oh, he's that guy. I've heard, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm well, on he's board not, now. He's not that good. But anyway, he was in the <laughs> No, he's first, really so not that good. <laughs> I look forward to it. Horace Hogan. In fact, we got a couple of months where Horace plays a big part in Warrior versus um, Warrior versus Hogan 2 <laughs> oh, at Halloween no. Havoc. <laughs> no, I just, no, I've to, I, I thought, I thought I came in the WCW after the fact I had to see WCW Warrior and oh, I don't, no. and now I'm sad. Yeah. Oh well, look, it it is compounded by watching Hulk Hogan spend what seems to be minutes trying to light a fireball. <laughs> with all that said, though, this match does end with Raven hitting a DDT because of Horace Hogan, and we know tomorrow night he's wrestling Goldberg, and we know how that ends because Goldberg has a winning streak. Can yeah. I can I also quickly say, in all seriousness? Raven got obliterated that entire match. He took he took a finishing move from every member of the flock. Yep. Yep. And still managed to kill. He he took a kitchen sink. He stop took, sign. He took a stop sign. He took everything. Also, DDT's um the DDT uh, sorry DDP's cutter on uh, Kidman was the sickest. Yeah. DDP had that really cool way of somehow making it hang in midair for a bit before he did a diamond cutter. I still, to this day, I don't know how he did it so smoothly because it almost feels like it pauses before he sort of hits the ground. Like, like, the, like in the old SmackDown game where you make the camera spin around. Yeah, finishing spin around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just so good. But yeah, so you're right there. And then so much so that we actually get back to the announce team who hypes up the big Nitro match of Goldberg versus Raven for the United States title. Uh, we then get to the main event and Michael Buffer is there. Now, we've said frequently that we think that Michael Buffer is being paid by the word. <laughs> and I reckon that this is more true than ever because he is boosting his word count for the main event, announcing tenfold here. Um, so <laughs> Macho Man comes out first. He's got the NWO music still and everything like that. But then when we get Sting, Sting is the man of many disciples. He's the he goes through almost every adjective you could add to the word man and describes everything. So if it wasn't for the fact that Macho Man attacks Sting, I reckon that Michael Buffett would still be going <laughs> in the intro. That's why Macho did it. Someone was like, We don't have the budget for this. Cut him off. 
Yeah, but he still tried to talk. <laughs> yeah. The ring. He tried, he tried to continue his promo. It was so good. He's a man who lives in the shadows. He is the man known by one name. Who, and he's just who walks talking. to the beat of his own drum. <laughs> yeah, doesn't end. Can I just say, Charles Robinson on this pay-per-view, his tan and his hair is absolutely perfect. Mm. And it all makes sense to me now because, you know, we used to see him in WCW and now we get to know him on social media. He's a big fan of Wham and George Michael. He has a George Michael room in his house. Really? Full of collectibles and T-shirts. It all makes sense now looking at him and the way he presented himself because he is like the third member of Wham back in the 90s. (laughs) Charles Robinson is full on and I love it. does he also get um, royalties off of last Christmas? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's his go-to karaoke song. It, it, oh, absolutely. It, to be fair, being the third member of Wham, uh, and no disrespect to Andrew Ridgely, but um, <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. Being the like, second member of Wham, uh, like, he might as well be the second member. Of Wham. <laughs> I, I also like how I was in. I, I how I was googling because I knew his name was Andrew. I just can't remember his last name, and it was like, bam, name. <laughs> Unfortunately, for like the only reason I know that, the same reason that I know four Toto songs is because every time it comes up as a trivia question where it's like name four Toto songs, because everyone always gets the three, the three classics, but it's like name the other member of Wham. It's like, gonna have to dig a lot deeper in this quiz if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Also, how dare you? Uh, I won't go into the rant, but Toto rule. Anyway, back to wrestling. (laughs) Yes, Um, I'll take Wham over Toto, but anyway. You oh, exactly. Me. Um, <laughs> I, so you know how all night we were, all night we were getting this altitude, the altitude, the altitude. Shivani, it actually killed me. Like I thought, like my eyes rolled back. I thought I was dead when Sting <laughs> used the hay bale on, yes. on on Macho, and he goes, "The hay combined with the thin Denver air could really knock a man down." Yeah. Are you serious? You're, Are you actually serious? Your world champion, who is invincible and can beat up 50 guys on his own, if he breathes in hay in the thin Denver air, is going to pass out. Like, <laughs> like, oh, and he's going to get all scratched up from it. Oh, no. <laughs> like, Are you actually kidding me? Like, like I'm done. Tony yeah. Schiavone, come back in 2020 when <laughs> AEW starts, because I'm done with you. And uh, we, we should mention, this match is no DQ. And... Oh, after a no DQ match. After a new DQ match, yeah. Oh, yeah, my two God. in a row. Seems silly, but also Sting. We saw the great build-up. They built this up so well. We've seen the wheels come off. They couldn't make Sting look more like a dumbass. Why would he agree oh to no DQ? God. Anyone can run in. And also, the way he looks in this match, the way this match ends, man, I think we all forget that. Aside from the build of Sting... Once he gets to that main event, it drops right off. Like it's all they don't recover after Starcade. This is terrible. The wheels came off, the axles fell off, the engine fell out, the car yeah. blew up. That was Sting's whole run after he actually debuted. Yeah. Um, 
but the, can to, I to just... put it to put it into it uh, like the, the best way I could put it, and, and this will be lost on you, Simon. But this is Carl Reindler in Perth in 2011. <laughs> That's how much of an absolute bomb this match is. He's just exploded. If we're going into the car analogy, <laughs> yes, more or less, Simon. This guy stalled on the front uh, on the starting grid of a race of, of, of a race, and then just got rear-ended, and the car exploded <laughs> oh, <God>. like <laughs> full-on fireball explosion. Um, but then <laughs> what kill like this match was really rough to watch much like the entire second half, but can we just appreciate like, look, I love like genuine massive fan for miss Elizabeth. Oh yes. But the, oh my God, the chair the shot that she, she held the chair by the backrest and hit sting with the legs of it. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't even, it was horrific. I love Liz so much, but oh my goodness me. She deserved to get hit by Stinger She took a nice Stinger Splash. I'll give her that. She deserved the Stinger Splash because she didn't know how to hold a goddamn chair. She's been in wrestling for, what, 15 years at this stage? Surely you've seen enough chair shots. Also, unprotected chair shots because of how messed up her ex-husband was. Mm. Um, but come on maybe that's why she she's like you know she was well ahead of the curve of CTs. like you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go in the opposite direction here guys look i'm all yeah. for the chair shot i'll do the spot but i'm gonna do it safely but almost pokes things eye out with the leg of a chair. <laughs> yeah at this point in fact she she was basically jousting with sting <laughs> That would have been um, yeah, great she... if he pulled his bat out and him and Liz were just jousting with just... weapons. Just on guard. <laughs> good. Better than what we got. So then, then um, Sting is uh, like Hogan does a little run in and knocks Savage over because uh, oh. it, it's the worst sort of thing to. And because we know oh. how like Macho Man's knees aren't exactly oh. the best sort of thing, it's that, just like that oh, bump, the bump that he took off the Hogan push. Was so bad. Yeah. Oh, it was like I, I was watching it and I literally went, oh, like it yeah. was so gross. That was so bad. He's not a good time to be Macho Man's knees in this in this era. He's, well, he's wearing the big bulky knee brace. Mm. Yeah. So things aren't good for Macho here, too. And then we get a Scorpion Death Drop because uh, Charles Robinson, Little Nate, is still out <laughs> here. So a Scorpion Death Drop then gets absolute donuts. And then Kevin Nash comes in. Powerbomb Sting. Oh, speaking of gross bumps. <laughs> he gets Kevin Nash, pers- like the, the jackknife, like he's now, uh, I get, I think, do you reckon, Simon, that after after he almost crippled the giant, that someone's like, that looked pretty good. Try to do that on everyone. Yeah, I like this jackknife where he would do it and just kind of drop him. It's like, if you yeah, land, he almost walks away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah, it's real <laughs> like, laid back. Like, hey, it's your problem now. <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> That's you and gravity's <laughs> job, brother. <laughs> yep. He legit just mic drops him. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. like, like, but yeah, Sting gets absolutely shit mixed. <laughs> like, big yeah. pop for it though. The crowd didn't oh, care that Sting was getting powerbombed. <laughs> yeah. They were all for Cause, it because I think they knew Sting's done. He's over oh. by now. When so he powerbombs him, then Nash gives the belt to the ref and kind of like puts. Savage onto Sting and the crowd. Well, Savage, Savage is still he's still like in in the in the in the cover sort of mode. Like so, Randy Savage and Sting are basically puppets that Hogan and Nash are using as marionettes for their Cold War here. 
Like they literally hmm. put one dead body on the other to sh- sort of show whose side is better. And the crowd pops. They don't care that they've waited two years to see Sting return. They're almost happy that he lost. Yeah. It was it's, over. The whole Sting buildup was pointless. It's crazy. It's, it is just crazy because like we, the, the, the peak of Sting's run is the match against Scott Hall at Super Bowl. Where where he actually looks like a dominant champion because other than that he's just a chump. Even at Starcade, the fun, the huge buildup, he still looks like a chump, yeah, which is really absolutely. really sad. Unfortunately, is that um, why yeah, Sting so- just won't let it go? Why he won't retire? He's trying to make up for this run going down the toilet, <laughs> for for the WWE run not going the way it should have. Nobody watched his good stuff in TNA. It's like he's got unfinished business. He just you know, yeah. really wants we, to leave a legacy. I don't think we've recorded like in the gap between. Can we appreciate that balcony bump that Sting took? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, oh At, 60. At 60. Like, oh, my God. The guy's amazing. He's but jumped off is- two balconies in like the past month in AEW. He's a maniac. Oh, it's like he's got... Yeah, like a chip on his shoulder. Maybe he's one of those. Maybe he's one of those guys. I'm going to die in the ring. I think he's going to. Yeah, he. Cla- it, it does seem like it's just a <laughs> classic Steve. <laughs> classic Steve. Just in the coffin, he'll be wearing a mask, and I'll be like, "Sting's not dead. Take the mask off." And then it <laughs> yeah. is Sting under the mask now. He's yeah. dead. <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. At oh, the eulogy, it's just everyone dreams. It's it's like the WW2K14 uh, commercial where everyone's playing on the violin and turns <laughs> the around. Sting, yeah. yeah. But seriously, I think I said to you boys in the group chat, it's the spot that will never die, and then oh like, yes, I will never not pop for the face mask off his thing. And that one the other day was the best one because he took the baseball cap off too. <laughs> yeah, he had a hat on. <laughs> I hope they keep adding to it. Like he had a hat and a mask and then next time it's something else. He takes off a jacket and then he yeah. takes off two masks. He's, like he's got like a clown mask and a sting mask and then it's him. I like that he's in on the joke. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's all like I like to think that like you know, or they'll just completely reverse it into like you know him being a, a toll booth attendant with a mask on, <laughs> and then it's like, is that Sting? It's like, and then takes the mask. It is Sting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like so, there's a fair bit of post match shenanigans here because this is is this one of the first pay views since Bash of the Beach where we see garbage flood the ring in terms of like the crowd is just over it, not. Yeah. Great heel heat. This is like, oh, what the hell was that? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen, I, yeah, I haven't seen garbage in the ring. Yeah, since then, I think. Maybe like, like since, someone, yeah, someone will throw like, wild or something. There's, or... Like, there's like a couple like cups and stuff, but they got flooded. Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of garbage in the ring in general on this pay per view. So <laughs> yeah, there was. <laughs> it's only fitting. <laughs> so this is the thing: like Sting doesn't get to the main event again for another year. Like really. He doesn't get the title. Is it because it's 99 that he next get his, gets a run, isn't it? Well, Simon? think about it because all through the run of the Wolfpack, he's not the leader. He's like third banana behind Nash and Macho. Yeah. Wow. Him and Luger are just kind of a tag team. They kind Wait, of become what the Wolfpack were. So you're saying I'm getting red faced Sting really, really, really soon? Pretty much. Very soon. Next paper. Very soon. <laughs> Sunburn Sting. I love red faced Sting. He's the best Sun- one. 
And you even get goatee red face sting. Oh, oh yes. All my <laughs> dreams are coming true. And we get Lex Luger in the wolf pack as well. So we That's get right. even more torture acts. The, yeah. the, oh, just yeah. oh now we're now we're talking my language, boys. This is where it's at. Yeah, so it doesn't get too bad after this. Um, yeah, it, it's the, the best part is Hogan is the last thing we see on that paper because like, that's my belt, brother. And that's about it, really. And then it fades to a slamboree commercial. Now, re- genuine serious question. I know we've, had a, we've, we've gone off the rails quite a, bit, quite a bit tonight, which is very unlike us. Yeah, I know. Um, it's shocking, isn't it? It's very shocking. <laughs> um, is Bret Hart still in a legal battle with WCW? Like, what's going on? Like, is, where's Bret Hart? Why was he not on the show again? Huh. He is still mixed up in the. He's he's NWO now, isn't he? Unofficially NWO, isn't he? We, you know what? I didn't even realize he wasn't on the show. He wasn't on the show. He's he he his brother-in-law. His brother-in-laws were and made an absolute meal of it. <laughs> but the guy they've just dropped a bunch of cash on is not on the show. Who did he wrestle on the last show? Was it him and Rick Flair? Him and Hennig? No, it was yeah, Rick Flair, him. wasn't it? No, oh. no, it was him. It was him and Hennig. When was his match against Ric Flair? Two pages ago. Two pages oh, ago. Geez, Flair hasn't been back since because he's been in that legal Because of the lawsuit. Yeah. yeah. Maybe so Bret Brett's Hart. Injured? No, Brett is in. Uh, Brett. Oh, geez, what the hell is he doing? Just or, takes or, the, is he, or is he filming that cowboy show off for Canadian TV? No, nah, that was that was over in 96. <laughs> Lonesome. Oh. Dove. Yeah. Stash he... Pages did a Lonesome Dove shirt. I want to get it. He was just like, uh, he probably got to the match card, read it like, I'm not booked, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is a shame. But look, let's get into our awards because we always love to do this. And uh, on this pay-per-view, we'll start off with you, Owen. Who do you reckon's the MVP of this night? Me. it's hard. It's very Me hard. for sitting through two and a half hours of that crap. <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, oh, look, uh, it's going to be, it, look, it, uh, I'm, I'm just saying like a broken record. It's Booker T. It's either Booker T or it's Eddie. Actually, no. You know what? Eddie Guerrero is my MVP because he sold that storyline in that in that match really, really well. Even though that match was really awesome, anyway, he added to it. So Eddie is my MVP. Mm. Yeah. Um. It's like this. I completely forgot that match. Like the f- the first three matches just seemed like so, so long ago, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a different show because we were so angry at the ending. You forget that the start was even good. Uh, what, what about you, Simon? Who, what you, who do you reckon? I'm going to say Goldberg for having the most exciting match on the show. And he looked like a superstar. He did some cool, crazy moves that I've never seen uh, before. And yeah, he had the crowd into it. Or Roddy Piper for being like the best thing in a match that shouldn't have been good. <laughs> nah, it's Goldberg. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Goldberg. You're gonna go with Goldberg. We'll I'm be gonna sick go of Goldberg in a few months, but this was good. Yeah, very much so. But like, because because he he, come, he becomes a champion probably uh, in a couple of months' time. Uh, because well, he definitely is before December, where he loses the belt to Kevin Nash, who wins the streak. It's before Halloween Havoc because we get him and DDP in kind of a underrated classic. Can't wait for that. Should we, when we actually get up to the Halloween Havoc match, should we treat that as it was broadcast and just stop watching <laughs> yeah, when the that, main event starts? That's a more fair way to rate that pay per view. Be like, no, we don't get the main. So wait, for, what did it? So not in case have... you don't know, in case you don't know this, what I would say, the pay per view ran over. 
um, yeah. Halloween Havoc because because of Hogan, wasn't it? Because of Hogan and uh, Warrior <laughs> and yep. Warrior, yeah. So because of that, the the main event starts late, and literally all you see is DDP and uh, Goldberg sort of circling each other, ready to lock up, and then the feed goes black. Oh, uh, didn't they show it on? Uh, didn't they show it on Nitro the next night? Yep. And they had to refund everyone who ordered the pay per view their money, and that's when WCW died. Yeah, God, like it was definitely a black mark to the uh, accountants. Yes, yeah, sounds like it. Um, I'm gonna go before we get too off track. I'm going to go for my MVP to be probably Booker T, because this is the second time that he's had a sleeper match here, and. And we we I always love saying this. It's not two years later until he gets a, a finally gets a push, but Booker's just stepping up a gear, especially since like you completely forget that he's part of Harlem Heat. In fact, at what point in time does Stevie Ray join the NWO? It's got to be soon. Once they uh, break off into the B team, yes. Which we should also point out too is hilarious that they actually do refer to him as the B yeah, team. Yeah. Like they're not allowed, even when they reform the NWO, they're not allowed to wear any Wolfpack gear. Oh, really? I never noticed that either. That's yeah, funny. if you notice, the Wolfpack you, gear was like for the cool guys. Yeah, you never see. You will never see Vincent or Scott Norton wear uh, any of the red. Whereas you'll see Scott Steiner, Lex Luger, all those guys wear it. But um, yeah, look, it's. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Booker T because that's probably uh, uh he just impresses like after following up on that. Actually, no, him, it's a toss up between him and DDP because they're both solid players throughout this era. Yeah. DDP yeah. was great on this show too. Yeah. But um, look, it was an interesting one that one. We'll put it that way. But uh, coming up is Slamboree 1998 where, oh, and you get a bit of a treat. You at least get to see the two warring NWOs NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack. This will be an absolute treat. And Simon, for us, I do believe it's over the edge in your house coming up next. Can't wait for that. We get a rematch of Steve Austin and Dude Love from their classic at Unforgiven. And I think this one's even better. So we've got good stuff coming up for the WWE. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, I th- thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, dude, we've also got to sit through a Jeff Jarrett versus Steve Blackman match as well. So it's not all great. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, look, this has been Reliving the War. Make sure you check out all of our back catalogue at greywolfentertainment.net. But we will catch you next time for Over the Edge in Your House. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.